You are listening to sermons from the pulpit of the Bible Baptist Church in Marysville, California. We hope you will be blessed as you listen to another practical message. And so he said that there was this parable. Uh, there were two individuals, a Pharisee. Now the Pharisees, they were, that was a religious sect. Uh, that was a group of people. They were very knowledgeable. Uh, they had, they had uh, Bible knowledge. Uh, they were religious. They had a lot of uh, rules. They had, uh, would follow uh, different commands. Uh, but what we find is uh, this, this religious person, he had a very high view of himself. He was looking at all of his assets and his strengths. And uh, then we have another individual that was a publican. Now, a publican was a tax collector. This guy worked for the IRS. There was nothing good about this guy. Uh, and so, uh, no, he was a tax collector. Now, uh, it's bad enough being an, uh, a tax collector, but in this day, the tax collectors uh, were individuals that had to buy their right to be a tax collector. And what it was, was it was, they were able to uh, purchase their right to have the authority from the Roman government, and then the Roman government would say, you need to collect this much tax, and anything that you can collect above that is yours. But they had the backing of the Roman government behind them, and so they were extortioners. They would extort from people far beyond what the required tax was. So they were a very hated group of people. So uh, let's look at this uh, passage again uh, tonight. And so verse number 10, two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. Now, if we were to stop and look at this, these are not bad things. Now, this individual that is praying, this publican that is praying, he is not praying a bad prayer. He is not, he is not doing anything wrong. His lifestyle in these areas, these were not wrong things. These were admirable things. But his focus was completely on himself. You know, you can do good. You and I can do good. And if our motives are wrong, they can be completely empty. And that's exactly where this man was. He was doing all of these things, but the Lord said he prayed thus with himself. He prayed, but he wasn't praying to God. It wasn't about God at all. It was about him. And so here I want to we'll just pass and look at these two different individuals and what their view was uh, of their self-image. And so first of all, I want you to see, number one, uh, self-righteous, uh, self-righteousness is sinful. Self-righteousness is sinful. That is not the attitude that you and I should have. We should not be self-righteous. Uh, this Pharisee here, 
He was very self-righteous. He was lifting himself up. He thought that he was good. And even to the extent that he was pointing this fair, the publican out, out loud, uh, tearing this other person down. So self-righteousness is sinful. Verse number 9, And he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. So this attitude of self-righteousness this is a sinful attitude. First of all, if you look at self-righteousness, you look at self. Well, life isn't about us. The more that we mature and grow, the more we recognize life isn't about me. There is a, there is a God who has created me to, to bring honor and glory to Him and we do so by loving God, loving others. We do so by showing others how good God is, leading people to Him. Uh, but we find here uh, that it's not about self. And this Pharisee, he was focusing completely on self. So self-righteous. Now, when we look at self, and then we look at righteous, and when we feel like that we are self-righteous, now, that is definitely an oxymoron. So take your Bible and go to Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. Because when we look in Romans, we will find that we are not righteous. We are not righteous. So Romans chapter 3, look with me at verse number 1. And we'll read down through verse 12. What advantage then hath the Jew, or what profit is there of circumcision? Much every way, chiefly because that unto them were committed the oracles of God. For what if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? God forbid. Yea, let God be true, but every man a liar. As it is written, thou, that thou mightest be justified in thy sayings, and mightest overcome when thou art judged. But if our unrighteousness commend the righteousness of God, what shall we say? Is God unrighteous, who taketh vengeance? I speak as a man, God forbid. For then how shall God judge the world? For if the truth of God hath more abounded through my lie unto his glory, why uh, yet am I also judged as a sinner? And not rather, as we be slanderously reported, and as some affirm that we say, let us do evil that good may come, whose damnation is just. What then? Are we better than they? No, in no wise. For we have before proved, both Jews and Gentiles, that they are all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. And here, when we start looking at this, in the book of Romans, uh, the first three chapters, we find the doctrine of sin. And the doctrine of sin is showing us that we are unrighteous. Uh, the next, uh, from Romans 3, uh, 23 to Romans, the end of chapter 5, uh, we find the doctrine of salvation. And what is it? Uh, we have to understand that we are a sinner in need of a Savior before we can have salvation. Uh, but here, before the Lord gets to salvation, He starts breaking down and showing that we are not righteous. We're not righteous. We're sinners. Now, 
we may have learned how to guide and guard ourselves from some of the manifestations of sin, and we might not live uh, according to our flesh, but none of us are righteous. We're not righteous. So when we have a self-righteous view, then our view is a it is an incorrect view. It is not a right view. The word righteous is the word dikaios, and it means innocent. It means just. It means in the right, upright. Now, our sin causes us not to be in that condition. We are not uh, righteous. We are not uh, upright. We are not innocent. Uh, so we're not righteous. There's none righteous, the Bible tells us. Psalm 25, 11, for thy sake, O Lord, pardon mine iniquity, for it is great. You know, you and I, our sin is bigger than what we think it is. And self-righteousness is a very big sin. These six things that the Lord hate, yea, seven are abomination unto him. A proud look. The very first thing that the Lord said was a proud look. Uh, and we look in Galatians, and we'll look there a little bit later. It talks about uh, thinking that we are something when we are nothing, and just that false image. And so having uh, a self-righteous image, uh, a self-righteous attitude, that's a sinful uh, attitude. It is wrong. Uh, Galatians 3, uh, Galatians 6, 1, uh, verse number 3, it says, For if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. And so uh, we, we need to realize that a self-righteous attitude is sinful. So this idea of having a good self-image, uh, we got to be careful that we are not feeding a fleshly attitude, a, a proud attitude. So number one, self-righteous, uh, self-righteousness is sinful. Number two, uh, I want you to see self-righteousness devalues others. Self-righteousness devalues others. Verse number nine of Luke 18, and he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Now, that is not an attitude that we ought to have. We are not to despise others. Uh, here, their trust was in self and not in God, and a wrong view of self brought them to a place that they had a wrong view of other people. And if we are self-righteous, then we will devalue other people. We will look down on other people, and that is, that's an attitude that is not Christ-like. So they despised others. Uh, that, the word despised there in the Greek, it comes down to utter disdain, uh, to treat contemptuously uh, as, as though they are completely worthless. Now, that is absolutely a wrong assessment of anybody. And why would we ever get to a place that we would look down on somebody like that? It's because we have a wrong view of ourself. And if we are looking at ourself and our self-image is wrong, then we will start looking down on other people. Uh, the Pharisees, they were righteous, they despised others. Now, doing good is not a bad thing. And 
Living a right life is what we ought to live. But our, our living a righteous life should not cause us to, sell, to look good at ourselves and wrong on others. It should cause us to recognize how good God is, that He would love us in spite of us. That God would forgive uh, our sins, that God would love me in spite of me. And so uh, this self-righteousness devalues others. So in uh, Luke 18, 10, two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And so this was, this, these were good things, but what the problem was, was this personal comparison that was there. This personal elevation of himself, and then that, uh, the acclamation of himself, and then the negative attitude towards others. So, so we see here that self-righteousness devalues others, and that should not be the case. That's not how we are to live as believers. Thirdly, I want you to see an honest self-awareness brings repentance. An honest self-awareness brings repentance. You know, when we look in the mirror and we see ourselves for who we really are, that's what makes us make a change. But if we've got this attitude of the Pharisee and we look in the mirror and all we see is good, then that's not going to bring me closer to God. That's going to push me farther away from God. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, he tells us. And so here, uh, an honest self-awareness brings repentance. Now look with me at verse 13. And the publican, standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. And so here, uh, this individual, this publican, he was self-aware. He looked at himself and realized, I'm in a mess. You know what it is that you and I come to the Lord? It's when we recognize we're in a mess. When everything's good, we got it. But when things aren't good, and we recognize that we can't fix it, all of a sudden now we recognize our need for God. Self-righteousness will keep us in a place where it will divide us. It will separate us from God. That relationship with the Lord won't be there because we think we've got it together. And let's be honest, we don't have it together. We don't have it together. We have a, Every one of us have a long way to go. You think about just your own life. I remember as a kid, uh, I always loved having microscopes or magnifying glasses. And I love the magnifying glasses because I could burn things. 
And I mean, I was, I was a pyro. I was a pyro when I was little. Uh, five, six years old, they were going to send me off to an institution. Uh, I had caught our house on fire. I don't know how many houses I caught on fire. I caught the fire chief's house on fire. His daughter and I uh, were, were together, and I caught his house on fire. Um, and that is not a good thing to do. And so, uh, anyway, I was a little pyro. I was always burning stuff. And, uh, but I liked the magnifying glass. And you know, with a magnifying glass, you know, you can see things a little bit bigger. And you look at your hand, and you can see all the little crevices and creases in your hand. But then you get a more powerful microscope, and then you look, and all of a sudden... Man, there's a whole lot of other stuff that's on that hand. I thought my hand was clean. It's not clean. Uh, and, you know, the sharper that you look, the, the more intense you look at something, you start sensing and seeing more dirt. The closer you and I get to the Lord, the great light that He is, His perfection, His holiness, what do we find? We find that we are sinful. We are undone. We are needy. But the farther we are from Him, we feel like we've got everything under control. We feel like we're doing pretty good. And this, this wrong self-image is going to keep us from ever developing that relationship with the Lord because we don't sense our need for the Lord. We don't sense our need for Him in our life. Uh, so this man, uh, this honest self-awareness, it brought repentance. Uh, he was self-aware that he was a sinner. Uh, he recognized that he was a sinner. He said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And when we have that type of an attitude, that brings repentance. Uh, we start seeing how good God is and how needy we are. And this man, of course, is coming for salvation, but our need for repentance does not stop at salvation. Our need for getting things right did not stop just because we got our sin debt paid for at salvation. There's a life to live, and God said, Be holy, for I, the Lord thy God, am holy. And that word holy, uh, sanctified, hagios, holy, uh, set apart for his glory. And what we find here, this honest self-awareness, it brings us to repentance. And, and this man, uh, he was self-aware that he was a sinner. He was self-aware that he was in need of a savior he said uh he said god be merciful to me a sinner and you know god's mercy is the prerequisite for god's grace before you and i can ever experience the grace of god god's mercy had to first be in place you see God's grace is God giving us what we do not deserve. God's mercy is God not giving us what we do deserve. And God's mercy comes to us and does not give us the penalty of our sin. He does not exact judgment on us that, that we deserve. God has been merciful to America. God's been merciful to America. And God has been gracious to America. But here we look at this man, and he was in need of a Savior, and the mercy of God was, was there. God be merciful 
uh, to me, a sinner. And the result was justification uh, in the sight of God. He was he was saved here. And, you know, that drawing uh, to God to us, uh, Psalm 139, a uh, verse that I, that I love, Psalm 139, 23 and 24, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. These verses are verses that uh, help us be, to be self-aware of where we really are. Because there might be things going on in our mind, the deepest re recesses of our heart. The Bible tells us that the heart is desperately wicked above all things. Who can know it? You and I do not even know the depravity that's in our own heart. We sometimes will see uh, a, an article come across the post or uh, the news and something will come up as somebody did something and you think, Man, I could never do that. No, you don't know the, what you could do. You and I, our sin, our sin nature is very real. We don't even know the depravity that's there. And, and here, uh, an honor, honest self-awareness, it brings us to a place of repentance. Excuse me. Uh, but fourthly, I want you to see honest self-awareness precedes service. And honest self-awareness precedes service. So in Isaiah chapter uh, 6, Isaiah 6 verses 1 through 8, Isaiah 6, 1 through 8, the Bible says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the Pharisees, uh, seraphims, each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. The, and one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory." And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. You know, what we find here is an honest self-awareness precedes our service for God. Because when we have an honest self-awareness, we recognize that we are needy. We recognize that God is holy and He is worthy of our service. He's worthy. And having this self-image that being honest with ourselves, it's going to help us to be able to serve the Lord. Hear the uh, Isaiah, he saw himself undone. I'm guessing the prophet was probably a lot better person than you and I. I'm guessing he probably was more holy than you and I are. Just think about all the influences of sin that come at us 24-7. 
You can't pick up your phone. You can't look at a TV. You can't read an article or a post or Facebook. I mean, stuff comes at us all the time. Isaiah didn't have that. But he, he looked at himself and said, whoa, I am, I am a man of unclean lips. He said he was undone. Now, if, if his self-awareness recognized that he was undone, man, where are we at? Where are we at? But this recognizing where we are helps us realize, I, I need to be doing something for the Lord. I need to serve Him. So that honest self-awareness, it precedes uh, it precedes our service. Uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, they present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Uh, what is it? That is helping us come to a place where uh, we surrender our lives to serve the Savior. Matthew 16, 24, then said Jesus unto his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Romans 13, 14, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Uh, Matthew 11, 28 to 30, he said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly at heart, uh, and ye shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, the Lord is our perfect example. And he said, come unto me, but he said, I am meek and lowly in heart. Well, he's our example. So this this does not sound like somebody that's promoting this, this high self-image. It wasn't somebody that was trying to, uh, to, uh, uh, to elevate. Uh, here, even the Lord himself, he said, uh, learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. Uh, and uh, here, as we close out tonight, a biblical self-image is the one that John the Baptist had. In John chapter 3 and verse 30, when he said, he, he said, he must increase, but I must decrease. And that was, that is how a biblical self-image should be. It shouldn't be about us increasing. It should be about him increasing and us decreasing. Not saying that we don't sharpen ourselves and we don't grow and we don't mature and we don't learn and we don't sharpen the tools that God has given to us. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying in our self-evaluation, we should not be self-righteous. We need to be humble. We need to be a humble people. It's hard to be around somebody that just talks about themselves, isn't it? And when you're around people that are self-righteous, who wants to be around them? Nobody. So we've got to guard this thing called the self-image. It's not something that we are to be building. It's not this idea of something that we should be promoting. Uh, even even uh, in the Christian realm, uh, the, the whole movement there was a whole movement on self-image 
And during that time, even those that were within the Christian realm, they were saying that abortion, um, abortion, murder, uh, all of these these ter- terrible things that go on in society, the Christian leaders of the day were even saying those were all results of not having a good self-image. Now, they swallowed something that the world had put out. And when you look at your Bible, you won't find anywhere that tells you to have a good self-image. We should have a good Savior image. That's who the image should be lifted up. He is the one that is to be exalted, uh, not you and I. And so having a biblical self-image is going to be one that is not proud, one that is humble, one that is meek. And here, as you and I are serving the Savior, let's, let's push all the glory to Him and not try to bring it to ourselves. Father, I pray that you'd help us. Thank you for your goodness to us. As I look around, I'm so thankful for the people that you have brought to our church family. And uh, Lord, just the sweet spirits and attitudes that are represented here tonight. But I pray that you'd help all of us, uh, Lord, to recognize, to be self-aware of where we are in our life. And if we are self-righteous, I pray that the Spirit of God would just convict us and lead us and help us. Uh, But Lord... Uh, No matter where we're at, I pray that you'd help us to grow in our faith. Mature us, please. For Christ's sake, we pray. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed our service. If you would like to hear more, visit our website at bbc4me.org. That's bbc4me.org. May God bless you.